Welcome to the fourth episode of Real Block Talk, where we talk about blockchain, real estate, and everything in between. Today, I'm joined by Warren and Stephen, and we have a guest. His name is Alex Bartram. Thanks, Ryan. Alex is the broker of Move Groove Real Estate in Austin, Texas, and in true Austin fashion, has spent some time in the tech startup field as well at Real Savvy, a real estate SaaS startup providing realtors and teams with tools to keep clients engaged with their brand. So Alex, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've, uh, you've been with the Imbrex team for quite a while now, almost a year, right? Yeah, I've been following it. Really excited. There's definitely a big need to provide realtors with you know something that lets them take control of their own data so they stop paying. Uh, some other, uh, I don't know if I can name them all on the show, but some other portals that uh, are maybe not so amicable to this space and charge realtors a lot of money for their own listings. So you're a rare breed because we've talked to a lot of agents, a lot of developers, a lot of people in the real estate industry, and not a lot of people know about blockchain or crypto, especially the data components. So how did you get attracted? How did you find it? When did you start going down this rabbit hole? So I was first really introduced to it by a developer at the SaaS startup that I used to work at. And he kind of dragged me to an Ethereum meetup. And this was late 2016. So it was still pretty early. There was really only like 12 people that showed up. And it was a, a different type there. Everyone was just interested in the technology applications of blockchain. It wasn't, you know, really any speculators. So it was a lot of executives from like Dunnone and Bradstreet and Google and things like that. And I just seemed like a, a really cool space. The more you learn about it, uh, the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, it, it just seems to get cooler and cooler and have, you know, potentially broader applications for everything really. What, what actually though, was it, because everybody's got a different story, right? So, right. you know, from back in, I'm pretty sure I bought the most expensive Bitcoin in 2013. I, uh, I've been following Bitcoin and it had this tremendous run up and I'm like, man, this technology is so great. I can't believe I didn't participate. So I just got paid. I'm like, I have to, I have to get involved. So I told my wife, I took our rent money. And you couldn't just go on an exchange at the time. You had to use uh, local, I use local Bitcoins. So I remember it was this sketchy deal where I had to wire this guy $1,250, you know, and then I get this address back and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? So I get in my car, I head home, and then I literally see the price of Bitcoin go from $1,250 and just start going down. I'm like, oh man. This sucks, but it was actually, it was a good experience because it, it made me dive deeper into it and really just find out all the other components, which actually led me into Ethereum and some other blockchain ecosystems, IPFS. So was it for you? Was it, was it the currency? Was it, I mean, cause you weren't in the hype phase around when you got into it. Right. I mean, initially it was some speculation, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, well, this is like another Bitcoin. Maybe you can get in early. That was the first reason I went. But then the more I learned about it, the more I learned how, you know, the ecosystem is, it's a lot more than a cryptocurrency. And it really has the potential to kind of rewire everything. So it's a great opportunity for, for a lot of things to change and kind of become uh, more democratic online. Nice. Warren has, uh, has a bunch of questions that she's lined up for you here. So I'm going to let her take the mic. 
Absolutely. Um, so we did talk about what attracted you towards cryptocurrencies, but what actually attracted you towards the blockchain itself? So you mentioned seeing that you see potential in other applications that can be built on top of the blockchain. Where do you see them going as it pertains to real estate? For real estate, taking one step back, we can kind of look at how society operates in periods and then reactionary periods against that. And it's constantly like an ebb and flow of power. We see that time and time again in history. So kind of the first version of the internet, you know, is great technology and uh, ended up concentrating a lot of power by the people that really owned it in the hands of a few, you know, whether that's out in, out in the valley mostly. And now we're starting to see with blockchain, there's the opportunity to have the ownership of data and the ownership of the internet decentralized so everyone can have a piece and a share of the wealth. And what that means for real estate is that it's no longer going to be necessary to have a centralized source for real estate information. So you know, realtors can kind of take back control. Uh, and that's, that's really exciting. And I think it's going to have a lot of profound impacts for both realtors and, uh, and consumers as well. A lot of people in your sphere have their eye on blockchain technology, or do you kind of feel like you're the only one? In Austin, a lot of people are paying attention to it, um, or they're at least aware that there's something going on. But most people haven't looked too far into it. Austin's a, a somewhat of a tech forward city. I'm sure in other places like New York and, and Silicon Valley and Boston and places like that, realtors are paying attention to it. But I'm sure there's going to be a pretty big learning curve here, just like there was in the late 90s when the, you know, the MLS first started coming out. What, what kind of brought you into the space? Yeah, so um, just the uncertainties of what's ahead. I've always been interested in startups and technology and I just think that um, I see a big future in this and it's certainly bright. Lauren comes from a, a financial background. So her parents are in finance and she was in financial times. So there's a transactional component. Uh, I told her, you know, I said, you see what we're, what we're building and it's got this, it's got a real estate feel, but I can tell you that it's all transaction oriented. So she's, she starts, she's going to fit in just fine. Ryan's, gonna, Ryan's got a bit of a different story. Yeah. So similar to Steven, I heard about Bitcoin when it was around $1,000 and I was ready to throw all my money at it and get filthy rich, but I didn't have that much money to throw around. So I just did a little bit of superficial research and I thought it was really interesting that people were using this internet money to buy illegal things on Silk Road. Eventually I forgot about it, but one day I checked the price and it was around $300. So I started to put a little bit of money into Bitcoin and read more about its potential use cases. And all of it was super fascinating. You know, the actual blockchain technology was just mind blowing stuff, but I was really turned off by the block size debate and all the politics that surrounded that. So eventually I sold, but immediately after I was browsing Reddit and I would just constantly see ethereum so i did a little bit of research into that and immediately took you know the money that i had made from bitcoin and put it into ethereum because it totally brought me back to the feeling of like why i was interested in bitcoin in the first place and i've been here ever since and i think it's interesting that it's price that really brought everybody in 
I was kind of lucky enough to see a lot of reports about this because my dad works at Gartner in Houston. But I think, you know, what we'll see being at the top of the hype cycle, like price wise, and now, you know, we've seen kind of a correction come down. I think now is when, you know, after the money has been raised by ICOs and things like that, by people that made some money and invested in great projects like Imbrex, I think over the next few years is when we'll see like some real innovation and some real changes that'll actually affect people to the point where they'll be like, oh, this is... This is what blockchain is like. This is the point, not just like how everybody and myself included was just like, oh, how do I get some of this internet money? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, being more involved on a deeper level instead of just speculating, just it's so much more fun to learn about the technology and, and what really drives its space. Now, Alex, I have an interesting question. So I noticed on your LinkedIn that you are a camp counselor and you were for seven years. So this must be something that you're obviously very invested in in your summers, I'm assuming. And so I was wondering if you were to explain the blockchain to one of your campers, how would you do it? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. That's, it's going to be tough to like craft the message. And I think it's one of those things like how, like, I don't know how you would explain the, the internet you know, back in the late 90s. And furthermore, like, nobody else, myself included, or anyone who says they, they know how this is going to play out is... is not being truthful to, to you or themselves. Like no one knows what these changes are going to look like. They're going to be profound. There's going to be a paradigm shift, but you know, no one knows what that's going to look like. We're, uh, believe me, we're, we're building in this <laughs> and, uh, you're absolutely right. Anybody that says that they know where this industry is going is full of it. They can have an idea of it, but, uh, nobody in 1992 knew that we would have Facebook and, you know, Netflix to the extent that it would be, digital right in your home and instantaneous. You know, one, one analogy that Laura and I were talking about earlier is what's the value in, in owning your data, right? So people don't really understand that yet and nor should they because we haven't been able to. So, you know, I use Google, I search and it's free, right? Well, no, actually they sell your data uh, on the back end. Well, okay, but I don't really care. Yeah, Facebook does this. But what if you knew that, you know, they were selling it for thousands of dollars and you can get that thousands of dollars? Well, then you start to get some people's attention. And it's not just that. It's, it's being able to take it from one place to another. So if you're on Facebook and you want to use, you know, Instagram, which is ironically owned by the same company, or if you want to go to LinkedIn, I should be able to just take my data and plug it into the different applications that I want to do that with. And so real estate's a good example of this because we have so many different outlets on where we need to plug our data in that it makes it overwhelming. So the analogy that we like to draw is, you know, imagine before we had wireless, uh, you know, if I was living in a house in Austin and I moved to New York City, then I would have to get a new phone number because everything was physical through landlines. But then you had wireless come about and all of the telecommunication industries had to adopt mainline uh, protocols that they had to adhere to. So now I can move as many times as I want around the country and I can keep the same phone number because everybody's playing by the same standards. So we're going to be able to do that with data. And to your point earlier, we have no idea what's going to come out of that. We just know that the user is going to be able to take their information and then it's going to be up to the application developers to say, hey, user Alex or Steven or Lauren or Ryan, you know, let, let me populate your data on the front end. And we say, okay, well, what's the value proposition for us, right? And maybe we'll, we'll give you listing exposure or we'll connect you with your friends. And we have the ability to say, okay, well, I'll 
I'll lease you my data, you know, for free, or I'm going to charge you a subscription model, right? I'm going to lease it to you and it's up to you to monetize it in different ways. It's exciting to think about because it's like you alluded to, it's, it's a paradigm shift. Bringing up all the data issues that are going on right now with Facebook and Google. One of the blockchain projects I'm most excited about, other than Embrex, of course, is the uh, basic attention token and the Brave browser. What are your thoughts on that? I'm kind of surprised that the European Union or someone hasn't said like, hey, you know, they're not being responsible with the data. Like, why don't we implement Brave? Or you don't really hear anything about it. I don't know why they haven't been marketing or anything like that yet. But Well, they're building out all the infrastructure and they've got a great team. My thoughts are that that is a hell of an engineering challenge, but I think it can be done. And I think that Brave is going to need, you know, because we're building in this space and it's like you, you move very slowly because you're not just building, it's not like you're just coming and you're, you're building something like DuckDuckGo to, uh, to compete with Google or, or for a front-end application, like going against, uh, you know, Facebook, right? If I'm going to go against Facebook, I have to build the front-end application. But all that back-end technology is already there. I can build, I can use these plug-in tools and make it pretty simple. Not, not in the blockchain ecosystem. You have to build both components. And so it's, it's very time-consuming and resource-heavy. So I'm, I feel very bullish about Brave. And I think that at some point, you know, they're going to, if, if Google, and I'd be very surprised if Google doesn't, if, I know they're already starting to look into this. I just don't know. Nobody knows how far along they are. But if, if, if Brave and uh, Bit, uh, was it BitClave? There's a few others that are, that are looking to do this as well. If they're able to continue with the teams that they have and produce, you know, product, I, I think it's going to really change the way that we do search. I think it's just going to take time too, right? It's going to take, you know, five, seven, maybe 10 years. I guess it's like trying to build a house without a blueprint and then you're just kind of figuring it out along the way. Yeah. Storing information on the blockchain is much different than storing data on a traditional database and even with like IPFS because you're storing just a hash and to actually interpret that data it's not like you can just look up uh, a key value pair you're actually you have to pull the entire hash unless you use other somewhat centralized systems like Elasticsearch to interpret it so there's we won't get into all the technicals right now but it's look there's there's some amazing teams out there that are that are building some incredible things. It's just going to take some time to come to fruition. What, what's one project uh, that you're, you know, other than Brave, is there anything in particular that you're following that either is going to help you personally or that you just are kind of like, man, if these guys pull it off. It's going to be fantastic. Those are the two that, that I'm most excited about, to be honest. And then obviously the Ethereum project, but that's just kind of all encompassing. Have you uh, followed any of the other blockchains like EOS or... Tron, there's, you know, Zcash. There's just, there's so many of them out there. There's like a couple of people that I talk to pretty regularly about it, but none of them I've really been like, oh, wow, that's, that's like groundbreaking or enough to, to really buy in. Cause I feel like with the way the, the blockchain ecosystem set up to where, you know, users kind of have ownership in a way of, of the product, it has to be something that you're passionate about. So if understand it or I don't immediately see the value in it, then I kind of just forget about it. How would you, how would you direct, you know, your peers? So you're getting back into the real estate industry and I get this question all the time. It's, you know, people say, well, how, how do I get into this? Right. Where do I start? And 
you know, my my answer used to be Reddit. Reddit used to be, I mean, still is. It's it's a great yeah. course, um, but it's it's nothing. It doesn't happen overnight, right? So it's just something you have to be continuous about and research every day and ask a lot of questions. But are people asking you this question because they have to be, right? You're you're a realtor and you're you're in crypto. I mean, everybody asks questions about to, to those types of people because they're rare. Yeah, I, you know, I started talking about it early and I was, you know, really passionate about the the technology. And then when the prices went up, that's when everyone was like, oh, yeah, this is the stuff that Alex was talking about earlier. You know, now we're interested. But by that point, they weren't really interested in the tech. They were just interested in making money speculating. And I didn't, I didn't really want to talk to anybody about that. Uh, I was like, no, like, you guys thought you guys thought it was a dumb idea earlier. This is not the time to be buying in. So I, I try to tried to steer away from that, but uh, I, I feel like Imbrex in particular, like for people in the real estate industry, it's a pretty obvious use case, and all, all you got to do is upload your listings to see for yourself how it works. That's great. So, what is your plan as an ambassador to onboard other agents that you know or firms, for example? We're curious about your strategy moving forward. Um, I still need to, to try to craft the message without trying to complicate it too much. Uh, realtors are extremely busy people. You know, I, I was lucky enough, but like you said, it took a lot of time to, to really get and even now, I feel like I really only have a fundamental understanding of all the applications of blockchain. But it took a lot of research uh, back when Reddit was uh, a lot more useful. What wasn't as many um, like Moon Kids and, and stuff like that on there. And then I was also lucky enough to have access to to some Gartner papers that were Gartner. If you're listening, they were, they were just lying around at, at the house. Uh, <laughs> <I found them. laughs> uh, so that that was helpful. But there, you know, it's like e- even today, like you don't have to understand how the internet works to to get the benefits of it. So really, just keep it simple. Just say like, hey, check this out. It's kind of like another platform that starts with a Z, but you'll own your data and you won't have to, you know, pay exorbitant amounts for leads. You know, that that should be compelling enough, I think. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so as a real estate broker, what is your biggest pain point? We didn't really go into the pain points of, of your current role as a real estate broker. We're just wondering, you know, what do you see on your day-to-day that challenges you the most and that you wish there was a solution for? What's hard? What do you, what do you wake up every day and you're like, you know, I, I gotta fix this one thing. I think for most brokers and, you know, I'm still a little bit early in it. I've really only been, uh, you know, full time as a broker for about a month now, although I've been in the business for seven years, but until uh, very recently, I, you know, always had a full-time thing, you know, it was in school for a little bit and then at uh, a technology company. So I always had more business than needed, but now that I'm out, uh, I'm still really busy right now. But I think what I learned talking to brokers and and realtors all day is the number one issue for most of them is, is keeping their pipeline full and building leads. Then also for brokers, it's uh, recruiting and retaining top talent and the top talent that's, as a, as a corollary they're they're going to go to brokers that have the leads too. So, I mean, just like any business, it comes, it comes down to, or at least any sales business, 
is, you know, how, how many leads are coming through the door. Totally understandable. Do you use any paid methods to get your leads or are you sort of organically making them out on the street through referrals, etc.? Uh, I'm, I'm referral based. I mean, I stay as busy as I'd like to be through referrals and then I have about 10,000 followers on Instagram. Nice. Uh, it's it's uh, at Move Groove ATX. Um, yeah, that's well, how I how I get most of my business. <laughs> awesome! That's <laughs> but, so interesting now, now that that Instagram is such a popular tool for real estate brokers. Well, it's very visually oriented, so I think it's just natural uh, for real estate. And then also, there's not really a lot of realtors on there. They're all on Facebook, so there's not as much competition. But now that I am a broker full-time and I'm, I'm looking to grow the team. I'm a lot more concerned with making sure that you know my team has enough business to, to stay afloat. So I'm starting to look into you know other avenues and I'm hoping that being kind of early on at, uh, at, at Embrex could lead to uh, some pretty solid lead generation. So the, the industry, I mean, you're a young guy getting into it. So I think the medium age and I know in commercial, it's, it's like, you know, maybe 55 or 60. Residential, I'm pretty sure it's, it's actually around 53 or 54. So you're in kind of an interesting position, right? Because you grew up with technology, so you're just going to use it. But since you're growing your business and you have companies like Open Door uh, that are going out, they're buying up all these, they're buying up all these assets. They're, they're going right to the seller, purchasing the the house, and then they're reselling it without a broker, right? They're being their own broker. And then Zillow is doing instant buys, and a few other companies are looking at doing that. And the commission has gone from 6% to 5%. So how do you see the industry evolving? For you, is it just staying on top of technology and making sure the pipeline's full? Or do you have a longer-term strategy of how you're going to keep your, your transaction volume you know, at capacity? Right, and, and that's definitely a major challenge that you know, a lot of brokers are concerned about is technological changes. Some people think that, you know, in, in 10 years, there's not going to be any realtors, there's just going to be robots like opening up doors or something like that. And I think maybe for new home construction or apartment finding, you know, certainly things that are more commoditized could be automated and done completely online, whether that's like with virtual reality or a robot opening up a door or something like that. But when you're when you're dealing with homes and, and resale homes, there's no home that's really the same. I think there's going to be a, a difficult, there's definitely going to be some difficulty with pricing the home and marketing it in, in, a, in such a right way that it's completely automated because it's really an emotional thing whenever someone finds the right home and comes in and they know that's the right one, I, I think that's going to be difficult to emulate or, or replicate online. Uh, and then beyond that, I, I think it's really important to have not only somebody that's, that's liable if something goes wrong uh, during these transactions, but also someone to, you know, walk you through the woods when it's a complex transaction and, and make sure that, that you're protected and, and makes it as easy as possible. You know, I could be wrong. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, so I come from the, the commercial industry. When I was buying my first house, this wasn't that long ago. This was two and a half years ago. I didn't, I didn't know residential is such a different industry that, you know, I went into it and I'm like, okay, you know, since I'm a commercial broker, I knew, I knew a lot of the, the differences, but it's a, it's a different ballgame. But if you're not doing real estate at all, if you have somebody that's actually providing uh, value, 
and holding your hand throughout the way, then it's, it makes a lot of sense. And so I think that when people say, oh, well, the real estate broker needs to go away or will go away, you know, maybe they just haven't had a good experience with a good broker because, you know, a good broker, they provide the value that they bring to the table. And then two with the fees, you know, the fees seem high, but when you think about it, out of, you know, the many months that you work and then you have to not only cut that in half with your broker, but then you have all these other, you have to pay taxes, you have to pay all these other fees. So at the end of the day, you know, you're like, oh, I'm paying $30,000 on a half a million dollar house, you know, to this agent that only worked with me for six months. Well, it turns out that they're only pocketing maybe four or $5,000 of that 30. So, you know, and I think that's misunderstood throughout sellers um, or at least first time sellers in the industry. So I don't, I don't see real estate brokers going away. I see their, their role having to understand more technology because it's just getting more complicated and explain the process to you know, the, the buyer or the seller. But yeah, I'm, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, I think another thing that we'll see, you know, like you were saying, maybe people worked with a realtor that you know, wasn't quite sure what they're doing. Uh, there's a couple things about that. There's a very low barrier to entry in real estate and there's not always uh, a great training program in place when you go work for, for a broker right out of school or as soon as you, you get your license. And you certainly don't learn what it takes to be a good realtor when, when you're getting licensed. They just, they just teach you like legal things uh, and stuff of that nature. But I think what we're going to see and what we're already starting to see is that 10% of realtors are doing 90% of the transactions. And the main difference with the ones that are doing all the transactions and the ones that aren't are that, you know, they're prepared and they've built out uh, scalable processes and procedures so that they can help a large number of people using technology uh, and they're able to provide value to everybody and, and generate those referrals. So that's kind of a bigger problem as a whole. But I think we're going to see the, you know, the realtors and brokers that adopt uh, new technology and, and build, you know, really a modern business instead of, you know, just like some some scrappy people in a, like a like a shopping mall office or something like that. Uh, I think it's going to change to where it's it's more professional. I guess. Yeah, more <laughs> more efficient for sure. Look, we we uh, we've taken up enough of your time, but I, I on behalf of Lauren, Ryan, and I, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and also being an ambassador. We're really looking forward to working with you. You've been, you've been great so far and you know, I know you're going to be really successful doing what you're doing and it's an exciting time. You're starting out your business. So wish you continued luck and uh, if people want to get in touch with you. What's the best way? Oh, you can uh, DM me at, uh, at move groove ATX on Instagram. That's like my most common mode of transportation or uh, you can shoot me an email at uh, alex at movegroove.net. <laughs> <laughs>